0: Hello, hi there, welcome. Uh, I'm uh, Kellen Jones, welcome to Actors in Conversation as part of the uh, BAFTA Cymru Awards 2020. This is The Sessions, a virtual series to celebrate some of the nominees nominated in this year's BAFTA Cymru Awards 2020, which is on. You can watch it on Sunday night. So uh, these virtual events are sort of BAFTA's learning to work and share expertise from TV, film and games, and the audiences are far and wide. So hello, hope you're well, hope you're safe. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I've heard there's a, a far and wide audience tonight. So uh, welcome. And uh, it's, yes, it's a, the world of Zoom. So this is my first Zoom uh, sort of audience with, with no audience. But hello, I've been told that you are out there. So without um, these, uh, there's going to be sort of, Forty minutes of conversation between myself and the sort of the uh, actress and actor nominees this year, um, and then sort of we're going to do a Q and A. So using the Q and A function at the bottom of your Zoom, you can ask some questions, and uh, I can uh, pass them on to to uh, our lovely uh, actors and actresses to um, answer them as best they can. Um, apologies that um, uh, that uh, Gabrielle Creevy. Uh, the uh, last year's winner, and also again nominee this year, um, she can't be with us this evening, Um, she's been, she has to work, she's working, so uh, she has to, she's filming and there's no way out of it, so uh, with a heavy heart she hasn't, she's not able to join us, but uh, we wish her well and hopefully we will get her again. But without further ado, I'd like us to uh, welcome to the virtual um, stage, Um, one of this year's uh, shining stars, a uh, uh, Actress nominee, Daphne Keene. So Daphne, if you'd like to come and join me all the way from, oh, hi there. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Can you tell us
0: where you are?
1: I'm in Spain. I'm in Madrid, I'm in Madrid, Spain.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for joining us uh, this evening. I think uh, bear with us with all the uh, technical, but I think we're all sort of Zoom savvy now. We know to uh, to wave and nod and uh, sort mm-hmm. of um, make sure our backgrounds are we know interesting, the lingo. But not too. The interesting. Lingo. You know the lingo. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm in pajamas from the waist down, but uh, you know that's just the way things go. There. And uh, congratulations on the nomination and all your brilliant work. Thank so, uh, forward would uh, you? chatting more with you, um, and our uh, Best Actor nominee, Sean Daniel-Young. Sean, would you like to join us, if possible? I mean, we usually... There we go. Look oh, at yeah. a, a little clap. How you doing, Sean? How's it going? Good, thank you. Good to, yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. Thanks. thanks for And where are you, Sean? Where are you this evening?
2: Um, a bit less glamorous than Daphne. I'm in a, a production office in Reading. So it's not, not, not quite the same.
0: Reading is the, is the Madrid of England, I've been told. So, uh... <laughs> yeah,
2: I've heard that, yeah.
0: <laughs> Congratulations on uh, the nominee. and uh, Thank you. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you excited for, uh, for Sunday?
2: Yeah, it's really lovely. And obviously to be on a list with, um, with those three newcomers is really lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no, it's really special.
0: Oh, congratulations to both of you and uh, also let me, uh, I'm going to ask Jonathan Price if you'd like to join us now, Jonathan, um, ah here he is. He's
3: off again.
0: The man is up. Mr Price, how are good. you?
3: I'm, I'm good, thank you, yeah.
0: Where are you? Can I ask where you are? You. Uh, I'm Madrid, in London. Madrid, Red.
3: No, London. Boring.
0: Boring. And have you all been in? So, I don't think you've been in Reading for four months, have you, Sean?
2: No, I haven't. No, I've been I've been in Wales for the majority. Um, so you've been there. Yeah.
0: And Jonathan, you've been in London for, for the past four months.
3: I have. I, I yeah. I spent the summer in France um, and uh, I got away and came back. Did my stint in quarantine, and uh, now we're here for however long. I don't know.
0: Well, congratulations to the three of you uh, for your nominations. Extraordinary work, okay. uh, you know. I think uh, they, we have a you know from you know, dark materials to uh, Pope Francis to um, the the far right. It's sort of an uh, eclectic <laughs> mix, and it's sort of. I, I it would be great to just sort of talk about process and talk about sort of how you know you, you know what it took out of you, what you had to bring to it. And just, I just want to sort of, I'm I'm as interested as I get, hopefully everybody else is sort of tuning in today, but uh, it's, um, that's the marvellous thing about, I guess our our job is that uh, you can have this sort of eclectic mix, but it's all about stories. Um, And uh, so uh, taking on, you know, Jonathan, that phone call when they ask you to play the Pope, I mean, can you just talk us through that? Is it, were you wary of sort of jumping in at that?
3: Yes, I was, Um, I uh, had no uh, real uh, desire to play a living Pope. Um, And at first I thought I'd be on a hiding to nothing. Um, I was kind of uh, clued up to it because for as soon as Pope Francis was declared Pope, the internet was full of images of the two of us together and it was either me and Pope Francis or uh, High Sparrow and Pope Francis. <laughs> um, so I was, I, you know, I, it, it had always been in the air somehow. But, uh, you know, but however reluctant I was, as soon as I knew um, that Fernando Morelos was going to be directing it, um, I thought this was not uh, going to be an ordinary sort of biopic. Um, I was a huge fan of his work. Uh, from mostly City of God, which is one of my favorite all time films. Um, and then I read the script, and uh, it was a really good script, and it avoided any sort of pitfalls of uh, being a hagiography. Um, it showed many sides of the man. And uh, it also meant I got to go back to Buenos Aires, um, where I'd been the uh, president for a while, <laughs> as Peron. Uh, so now I was going to be uh, be their Pope. Um, yeah, so it was, um, I'm I'm, re- I'm you know, obviously really glad I made the decision to do it.
0: Well, it was an extraordinary performance and the chemistry between you and Anthony Hopkins, you know, it's just this is a remarkable buddy movie because you talk about your Fernando Marias and you think, you know, the city of God and Constant Gardner and that energy and the way he makes films. So. Just the idea of you two together, directed by him. You knew that this was not going to be like you say, hagiography. Geography." But the chemistry between you both—I mean, was that sort of instant, or was that you, you friends? I mean, I—I'd you... I'd, I'd only
3: ever—I've met Tony when we um, uh, we were both on a recording of Under Milkwood Wood uh, that was made, oh god, twenty-five years ago, I think. Um, and I met him then, I hadn't met him in between. And I was quite um, apprehensive about working with him because um, I've always been aware of him and I've always been kind of a, a fan of his. Um, so, and it kind of played into the relationship in the films. I was quite wary and quite nervous when I went on set with him, which is how um, how Francis was uh, when, you know, in the scene, He's, he's Um, he doesn't know how he's going to react, he's with uh, his spiritual leader Um, and we shot most of that our stuff together a lot of it was shot chronologically so when we first meet was on film was when we uh, we did first meet and started filming Mm -hmm. and he's very easy to uh, because you can see Francis admires Benedict in many ways and that was an easy thing for me to do and all I had to the only acting required was to uh, was to listen to Tony um and I was he always intrigued me I was listening to him as a character and also listening to him as an actor he works with quite different beasts he uh, Tony's very methodical and I'm a little more improvisational and um that uh, yeah, it was it was very nice that uh, Fernando, when we finished filming, we do all those Q and A's and things afterwards. He said uh, we were like two musicians, and uh, Tony was a classical musician, and I was a jazz musician. I was I was very I was very flat. You always want people to say things like that, so I was very flattered <laughs> by that, and uh, very happy to tell the rest of the world about that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there was. It was one of the best sets I have ever worked on. It was run incredibly well. Um, Everybody worked very hard. Everybody knew they wanted to work for Fernando. Um, And uh, Tony, we had a lot of laughs, Tony and I. There was, um, when we were actually doing the scenes, it was, we were very straight about it. But um, the the, the sort of the uh, relationship was set when we saw the call sheet. And um, I was uh, number one on the call sheet and he was number two. And he, that always rankled with him. <laughs> and uh, I'd see him most mornings for breakfast in the hotel and I'd walk in and I'd say, uh, morning number two. And he said, morning number one. And he had, uh, he had <laughs> signs made for his trailer that he was number one and he, was, <laughs> he put stupid signs on my trailer. Um, And we kept that going for a long time, and uh, it was fun, yeah.
0: It was an amazing performance, and I I could concur. The the jazz and the classical is that you have these characters sort of sounding each other out. I love the scene about the Beatles, um, you know, discussing music and popular culture, and and at the same time, two actors figuring each other out. uh, Extraordinary sort of you know a joy to watch
3: yeah um, and well, it's all there in the script you know we didn't look, there was um no there was no we hardly changed the script i mean uh, no. uh fernando changed a lot in the editing there were certain scenes that went and things were cut differently but um it was about fulfilling that script and if anybody can tell me how i can turn my email off I'd be very
0: grateful. <laughs> very yeah. popular. You're just very popular and you're rubbing... I know, it's that time. So nobody else. <laughs> I
3: don't know how the hell to do it, anyway.
0: Oh, don't worry. No, no worry at all. Um, Daphne, can I can I ask you about... I mean, obviously, you're taking on a character that means so much to so many people, you know, through the dark materials. I mean, were you a fan of the books before you saw took on the role or was that something that came sort of in the process or did you just sort of have your own entry point into it because it's a it's a you know it's a it's a big ask isn't it
1: um I'm not gonna lie to you it's a bit before when I was born so I'd heard about it and I think I'd watched the movie because my friend was a fan or something but I'd never actually read the book Mm -hmm. and it was I then got into I got really into it during filming so we started filming and I thought right I've got to read the books and I read all three books back to back and then I read like all of the spin-offs and then like two other books came out and stuff so now I'm a big fan and I now I've now read all of them a few times each of them actually but I had no I hadn't I'd heard of them but I hadn't actually read them and it was it was really weird going into it because obviously especially in the UK in Spain, they're not that known, but in the UK, they're massive. They're like this whole cultural phenomenon. And as a 13 year old girl stepping on this set in Wales, I'd never been in Wales before. And I was just coming, I was moving out for seven months from my home. I was playing this part, which was so iconic to so many people. And I didn't know anyone. And I just stepped on set and was absolutely terrified. But it was all okay because we had incredible an incredible crew. They were really good at making me feel at home and the cast was amazing and the directors and just everyone was so good with me. So I felt quite comfortable really quickly and I made good friends and now Wales is, Wales is like my second home. So it's home away from home.
0: So a great opportunity to sort of make the role your own as well so you're not having to be too intimidated going into the process, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean the, and the story is so big, isn't it? you know it's it's a real sort of epic. And I guess before then your your experience in film is sort of um, a, a colleague of mine sort of describing the difference between sort of long form and short form or film and TV is that sort of TV you have to live forever and film comes to an end, you know and uh, so you know, going into that sort of story with all the that the kind of the scale of it and and the, again, the chemistry between your sort of fellow actors. I mean, how, how, was, how was that? Was that uh, any different to your work in Logan? or, or um, So I guess Logan feels was in some ways quite a chamber piece, even though it was a huge, blockbuster well, a movie.
1: It was, uh, I mean, Logan felt it was massive. But for some reason, it felt less daunting because I was coming into a cast that already existed. So I knew it was already established and I knew that it was going to do well because Hugh Jackman was in it. It was like wasn't going to go badly. But then I came into his dark materials and I was like, this is basically relying on me and I have done films alongside of other actors but I've never like led something 100% so I was absolutely terrified um but then I remember I went into rehearsals and uh, I get on really really well with Ruth Wilson which was really great because I have tons of scenes with her and stuff and I just really got to I don't know play and actually just investigate more of an actor side of mine which I'd never really gotten to play that much with because wait um because as a kid you're expected to show up on set knowing your lines and just do whatever and then with this i felt so much pressure i remember i did i put much more work into everything i did much more thinking i took tons more notes i just took it much more seriously and i really that's when i seriously thought like wow this is something i want to do like i like spending time and effort and thinking about this and just learning so much from all of these incredible people i was working with i mean I've learned so much from I think every single person on set. I mean, whenever I'm not filming, I like to be with the camera guys and them teaching me like how to set up the cameras or with the lighting and the props and stuff. I'm just very intrigued about the entire the entire business. So it was just, it was such an honor to step onto this set of basically veterans. And they were just doing everything so incredibly.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Um, you know and congratulations it's a, a fabulous performance and there's a you know such a maturity and sort of courage to to your work and um you know and, and i think that's absolutely the right attitude i can you know personally i, remember, I can I, I, me- I remember feeling very lucky one of my first jobs was on a big show where I got to immerse myself in there and i felt like it was the best way to you know to learn you know every rather than just sort of piecemeal which can quite often be the case so no I get it. that's that's a great thing and uh now, now sean yes uh you, what a what, what a performance and what a character you know i mean how what was your relationship with sort of going into this sort of you know for want of a better phrase a dark material uh with uh <laughs> yeah with the army yeah. because it's a lot to shoulder and a lot to bear, you know, that sort of that violence and and destruction sort of just to carry that around for a while. But uh, can you just tell us how how it came to you and and, and and your sort of initial process or your entry point into that character and that story?
2: Yeah, um, Alan Harris, who wrote the piece, his script right from the start was, was so clear and Gethin's journey was so clear through it that in terms of trying to map out my arc, I felt like he had done so much of that for me, but just because of the clarity of the script and the characters always felt like sometimes you read scripts and you feel like there's certain parts that really need meeting out or certain parts are just facilitating or whatever. But with Alan's script, it just felt, Like, he gave such a clear picture of who everyone is and why they do what they do that whenever I felt uncertain about something, I could always just go back to the text and back to his writing, and that that made the job a lot, lot easier because I didn't have to worry about how am I getting from A to B because, obviously, it's quite an extreme. Um, But I felt like it was always there on the page, so that definitely that was definitely the starting point and, and that was a constant right until the end was referring back to Alan's work.
0: Yeah. And and how, and the, I mean, what's the sort of, did you, was there a sort of a, a, a sort of self preservation were there Were there things that you personally had to put in place as an actor to go, okay, obviously there's some obvious things. You're, you're not taking everything home with you. That's ridiculous. But there, there are things where, you might have to put something in place just to protect yourself a bit. Yeah. Dealing with you know, some of those situations.
2: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, there's some um, some really dark incidents and some really kind of personal things that he goes through that I think if you were doing in a play and you were taking that home night after night would be hard. But actually, obviously, with filming it isolated and it might just be a few days on a certain thing and then you can sort of park it and move on um but actually i really enjoy doing that i don't mind carrying things around with me for a bit but obviously i've definitely got better over the years at, at then putting things aside and and leaving them where they need to be because obviously they're not useful past a certain point like mm-hmm. after wrap. um But but yeah, I actually really enjoyed that side of the work and actually I felt like the writing and just the show as a whole gave me a a little bit of everything. Like I got to do that stuff, but obviously it starts off, like I was really adamant that when we see him, he's kind of more of at the start. He's quite upbeat about things. Like he could quite easily be down about his circumstances, but I, I really liked that he just sort of got on with it and it's a more of a steady decline um, but obviously, given the nature of it just being an hour long, things happen very quickly, but for me personally, I wanted it to feel like there was a gradualness to it so that I could map it out and, and feel what the stages would be that he goes through to get to the point that he does.
0: Yeah. Well, it's all that, that sort of there's a moment where the young mind or the young soul is susceptible to things like radicalization mm. or you know that where you you can there's a rewiring of the piano you know there's a reason why you know, I guess in, in in certain situations like that where people yeah. are susceptible to make bad choices or to be pushed towards bad choices thinking they're good and, and that's what I really loved about the piece is that I, I definitely think it was radical but you also got the moment it pivots it was really yeah. authentic you know what I mean because it was all going in.
2: Yeah. And what I liked about it, and, and uh, Joe, our director, and I spoke about this a lot, was that, yes, it was what was going on around him and the things that he was seeing online. That was obviously a massive contribution. But actually so much of it felt emotionally driven and it was the personal things in his life that were declining, that was actually just pushing him further and further down this rabbit hole that he was mm-hmm. on. Um, online and taking in this information and like you said a young mind just really like a sponge just soaking everything up and and sadly coming to a choice that ends up defining his life
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: but my YouTube history was was interesting at the time definitely Um, and I sort of get it because actually there's a scary amount and it's worryingly accessible all that stuff um, so I can totally yeah. see why someone in his situation would be drawn and sucked in.
0: But also playing these darker characters, you don't, you know, they don't walk around feeling dark. They no. feeling like themselves. You know, they don't eat their conflicts. going, I'm now eating. Yeah. It's like a bad person. They're, yeah. they're doing, So there's a lot of context that is done for you and you just have to kind of, I guess, commit to those moments and and I guess that's you know Jonathan we we took when we spoke a couple of years ago when we had that evening in Cardiff um, we talked about your time when you played Hamlet and how um yeah sort of uh, it was such a big moment in your life and excuse me if you don't want to talk about it um, um, but the idea of those big feelings and, and emotions and sort of how you had to protect yourself in a certain way, playing Hamlet, but at the same time, um, you, am I right in thinking, remembering that you, there was certain things that you felt you can use in your own life?
3: Well, yeah, and it was uh, was quite cathartic doing it, because uh, uh, I'd been asked once before to play Hamlet, not very long before uh, Richard asked me, Um, But I I felt I had nothing to say. And then uh, it was, um, by the time I came to do it with Richard, my father had uh, died um, uh, because of a violent act. And uh, I hadn't uh, wanted revenge or I was, I didn't get very angry about about it. I was very upset, obviously. But I remember my sisters were much angrier and uh, I had feelings of uh, wanting vengeance. Um, and that as the years were well, the very few years when he died in uh, 76 and I did Hamlet in 80 but during that time um, and I'd also, ha- I, was, I was doing a play in New York um, and I couldn't get back for his funeral so there was that kind of unfinished business between us and um, I began to uh, think I would see him I'd, I'd conjure him up in my mind and one particular time I thought he was standing in the garden, looking at me in the house. Um, and then we were I was putting together um, things about Hamlet and how they related to me, and these things direct, related directly. And um, so we came up with this idea that, uh, obviously there's the, uh, what Shakespeare's written, that he feels uh, bad, that he didn't try to avenge his father's death. He has these suspicions, um, but, uh, we had the problem of the ghost and it was it he so uh wanted to see his father as i did that he he conjured up the image of the ghost the ghost wasn't really there but he was so wanted to see it mm-hmm. and he knew what he wanted his father to say so that's when instead of having a, a ghost figure as the father i uh, in a fit of possession kind of spewed up the my father's words and um yeah, it was. Um, oh God, I'm really glad I did. It, it was. It was. Uh, um, it was a wonderful thing to to be able to be in, involved in and do and uh, relate it to my father directly. Um, I've, there's been complaints over the years, especially from my wife, that I um, I make my characters too much like myself. And um, I I think uh, i I'm unconsciously when I read the parts um I, it does go in that there's something in that character um and like Geffen was saying about uh taking uh the you know if you're playing a, taking things home from your character I've turned things down because I didn't want to be that person and uh, I've also turned things down because I didn't want to be in a room with that director for three months but um you know, it's uh it's interesting what you what you find you want to do, what you can do, and whether I am I am definitely not one for taking things home with me. Once the curtain comes down, that's it. And uh once mm. we finish the tape for the day, that that's it. Apart from going home in the car thinking, Oh, I wish I'd done it differently. But um <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: So that doesn't go away. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> but that but you in your in your defence, and apologies if I'm uh, I'm, not, I'm not picking a fight with your wife Kate, but I uh, I want to uh, is that I always think of you, Jonathan, as you're impossibly talented. You're actually to so many people that no wonder things can feel like you because you're you know you've always and I and I and we talked about it. I know about your starting off at the Liverpool man and that sort of work that kind of was a foundation of your work going forward. No wonder you feel like the jazz player in 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 you know in the two Popes, but also your work in Brazil and then Glengarry Glen Ross and then your Broadway work in the West End it's sort of there are you know it really is a broad church. The uh, I keep I keep
3: moving so they never find you out you see. Well that's
0: it. Keep, uh, stay low, stay low and keep yeah, moving. Yeah. The uh, because, because Sean, you had a you you. Am I th- the curious dog? Um, was that
2: yeah, the, curious incident? Yeah,
0: incident. Did you go from that? Uh, was that the what you did before? No, then, did you go straight away, or was there a big gap between those two?
2: Oh, oh massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I did I did Warhorse for a year, and then I did Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime for a year, and then I did a few other plays, um, and the left behind. So I finished Curious Incident in the summer of 2016. So that was 14 months on
0: that. Know, and for people who don't know what Curious Incident is, can we just, for our viewers at home, because everybody is at home. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of <laughs> It's a famous
0: um, novel, and you yeah, play a so, character, are young lad who is um, aspergic is, is on the audition yeah, so spectrum, is that right? Christopher Boone,
2: yeah. Although it's never specified, neither in the book or in the play, but his, his behaviour indicates that he, he would be diagnosed with Asperger's and is, is on the spectrum. Um, so, yeah, I, I did the the play adaptation of that book on the West End for a year. And, yeah, it's quite a, a demanding part but that, yeah, so I finished that in the summer of 2016 and then The Left Behind was at the end of 2018. So there was a big gap between those two. Um, Be yeah, a lot of theatre in between.
0: And did you find that, that those sort of sharpening your tools for those big long runs playing challenging oh. characters like that, did, is that sort of a, 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 gave you a great foundation? Because you know, like I said in my, I don't know if you heard it earlier that the whole point of these talks is that there are people who are watching, not only interested in your career and, and also what you do from, you know, what you do within this industry, but also from various aspects of the industry. So mm. uh, I'm sorry if the question is sort of general, but it's, uh, no, it's all interesting to know what you, you know, what builds towards a, you know, you know, giving a performance like you've, you know, you know, like you've given in the left behind, you know, y- yeah.
2: Well, yeah, Curious Incident was massive for that because I felt like I had an enormous responsibility to, to represent mm. uh, a, a community, um, the worldwide community, really, um, because of the way Christopher is. So that involved a lot of research and spending time in a school um, that's specifically for children on the spectrum, uh, speaking to parents with, with children. And I had a direct contact um, a guy called Kean who is actually just kind of similar to christopher um the character i played and we would have dialogue and i could he was such a good sounding board because i think there was there's a lot of thought of that oh if someone's on the spectrum they're just a bit robotic don't really feel anything kind of emotionless and i was really adamant that that was that was wrong and it it, 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 it might be kind of accurate for some individuals but i had made a decision that christopher wasn't going to be like that my take on christopher was that he felt everything um a teenager would feel but just didn't know how to cope with it and couldn't necessarily handle it which is why he would then Mm. behave in the way that he did um and that was a massive learning curve that year because i i took that home for a long long time um and for a long time after, I, I think I remember thinking it was it was just over two years when I, I clocked one day that I hadn't thought about Christopher the day before, um, because it's that thing, and you know, as Jonathan would know, playing something like Hamlet, the, the, it's it's just the repetition. You you drill something into yourself by doing it time and time and time again. I played Christopher hundreds of times. Um, and it's also the response that that play got was so massive, just in terms of how it seemed to register with people on a personal level and the conversations you'd have, um, you know, at stage door or whatever. Um, I remember there was one, there was one young boy called Zach, an American boy who I saw, who was only about eight years old. And he'd been to see the play with his dad um, when they were over in London a few months before. Um, and then his mum and his sister had to go to London and had to take him with him. And he said he'd only go if he came to see, if he could come and see the play again. And they came backstage after and the mum was just in tears. And she said, I, I wanted to come and meet you because Zach said to me that uh, you're the only person who can show me what he feels that he can't tell me. Um, And that was massive. And she was, you know, really emotional saying this because she felt like she better understood her own son having just sat in a theatre for a couple of hours. And I think that's just what's so incredible about live theatre, which is obviously why it's so sad it's not happening at the minute. Um, But when you have interactions like that with people, I think it's impossible to not have that stay with you. And it's still something I think about now, not as regularly as I did, but it plays a big part in everything I do now, definitely.
0: That's amazing, amazing, and
2: uh, yeah, it's special.
0: And Daphne, how how you 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 come from? Your parents are actors, is that right? you yeah, both um, of them, both of them. So it, it, were you always going to go into this business, or you know, just what was your, you know, do you just Go straight to Hollywood or uh or <laughs> sort of uh,
1: no. um I, no, I just I I'm
0: interested, just, just interested in sort of you know ha- how you you know how you got to this point really
1: um well it was it wasn't accidental but it wasn't like no, okay it's complicated I was when I was younger I wanted to have David Attenborough's job that was like my dream for my entire like until I was about Seven, and I found out that to study biology you had to do math and I was like yeah I'm not doing that <laughs> so then I I was always my parents were always doing plays and stuff because they're they're from theater that's what they do they write they direct and they act so I literally most of my Christmases I spent in rehearsal rooms with tons of adult actors and like everyone from the theater and just me hanging out and so I always loved it. And I was always really, really intrigued by it. And I always wanted to try it. And I remember everyone was always like, you should get Daphne in one of your plays and stuff. And my parents would always say, oh yeah, yeah. And then they'd never actually do it. But I remember this one year when I was like eight, my mom's friend was doing a short film and they needed a young girl for it. And she said to my mom, "Like, why don't you ask Daphne to come over and do it? So I went in for a day. had an incredible time. I had no lines, but I had to like run around In a hospital and like do stuff and I had the most incredible time I just it felt like a safe place because I'd I'd always been very different to everyone else at my school like I was always really interested in like when I was like nine I was obsessed with Oklahoma which no one knew and I knew by seven and eight which when my parents were doing Hamlet at the time I knew to be or not to be entirely and everyone at my school was just did not even know who Shakespeare was and so I came into this place where like everyone thought like me and liked the same things as me and I just I felt so like safe and I felt like what I was doing was good and then from there I remember I told my mum please can I start doing auditions and I did my first audition which went terribly horribly really really bad really embarrassing and then I did a few more auditions and I got my first job with my dad he played my dad actually mm. and then I just sort of I don't know here I am today loving what I do. <laughs>
0: and have you had a chance to to do any theatre at all? Is, is, that, is it-
1: No which is really really upsetting because I feel like that is where it was all born like where it happened so I'm trying to at the moment with COVID, I mean, theatres are open in Spain, but it's really hard to get because there was no time to like get the programming ready and stuff because of COVID. I couldn't, like, I really want to do so many things because like there's so many cool projects that I'm now just starting to be the right age for. So it's really, really exciting to actually think about being able to be on the stage. I mean, I remember my My parents were doing a play last week. They just wrapped it up and I was just looking at my dad on stage doing it and I was so envious. It's just (laughs) acting. You miss it when you're not doing it. I haven't acted since this time last year and I miss it so much. It's, you just, like both of them said, it feels like it's part of you. I mean, for me playing Lyra for two years, it's just so weird, like not being on set every day and being Lyra. And it's just so strange constantly being you am i explaining myself like i just mm. feel like i really miss living other lives and i saw my dad doing that the other day and i just thought like wow i wish i was doing it also so that really
0: you have time you have time you have i be... do but i'm just all very will all will be fine i mean I've, it...
3: uh, I've reached the right age to play a lot of parts as well now <laughs> uh, i get off with every 80 year old man that's well <laughs> um it's because there are a few of us who can still learn lines. That's the problem. Yeah. So I'm that not, is
1: actually yeah. very true. That's very important. Up
3: the work. Yeah. True. And yeah. Uh, say, um, Daphne, say hi to your uh, father for me.
1: I will. We were actually we were in the car coming here, and they, my parents were both talking about you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We did uh, Don Quixote together. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And my mum's also a massive, massive, massive fan of Brazil. Like, massive. Like, it's her favorite film ever.
3: Oh, great. Good. Good.
1: And funny fact, I watched Curious Incident when I was doing my first audition for His Dark Material. So, I've also seen you in the theater. And I was very, very (laughs) impressed. So, congratulations on that.
2: Oh, thanks, Daphne. That's kind of.
0: She will go far. She is charming and talented. (laughs) Am I? And because. Working in, with all your experiences, at what point, uh, and this is, I suppose I ask you Jonathan first, is that making that move into working on screen, was there a, a conscious shift into sort of, or did you find it a very natural move into that sort of medium, sort of letting the camera in, relaxing? Well, I, I, I think
3: it was a gradual shift. I mean, I, um, I, When I started uh, 1972, and when I left Rada at the end of uh, 71 and started working in 72, it was a time when there was lots of theatre throughout Britain. And um, that is what you did. And it's certainly what people uh, like I did. That's all I wanted to do was theatre. And the the thinking then was you did television, which would pay for your theatre work. And film work is, was what other people did. Um, so I, it, it, it was a, a while, not, not too long uh, coming to it. I did my first, I did first television while I was still at uh, the Everyman, in some downtime uh, in the uh, early 70s. And then I did two films for, with Stephen Frears, one after the other. And then I did my first feature film, I think it's my first but the the billing certainly is and introducing I did it in <laughs> 1977 76 I think it's called Voyage of the Damned and it was a huge huge international production produced by um, Lou Grade and it was uh, extraordinary it was a It was like Ship of Fools. It was supposed to be, and it was, the true story of the thousand Jews who were let go from Germany before the war started as a propaganda mission. And this ship was never allowed to land anywhere. Um, And I was playing uh, a real person I I knew his history, Joseph Manasseh, who was taken from the camps that existed before the war, Um, and uh, he ended up back in a camp. But this film was populated by uh, Faye Dunaway and James Mason and Orson Wells and uh, Malcolm McDowell. It was a cavalcade of stars playing these poor Jews. And um, it was a real eye-opener. Um, I, f- I found that what I when I was early film work and what it was watching uh, the people I I got very fortunate. Uh, my first Hollywood film was with Jason Robarts. And I learned from him and just watching it, it, how people behave, which is as important as how you act, how you relate to other people on the set. And it was very important that you, um, you know, you were never late and all that kind of stuff, but you had good manners and you get, you uh, trusted and listened to the other people. Um, so it was quite, um, yeah, you know, it was a slow education into it, but, um, and I don't think I make, I don't think that, the, the, you know, the technique alters that much. You, you, it's, you're still telling a story, you're telling it in a slightly different way. Um, you, uh, I think it was Ralph Richardson saying the only difference between film and theater is that theater is you, you shout more. Um, but uh, it's, it's the same process that you go through, hopefully in your head. And a lot of it's about listening.
0: Yeah and keeping, isn't there a story, isn't there a, I, I don't know if it's an apocryphal story, Anthony Hopkins and Laurence Olivier, when he asked him, "How did he, he asked Olivier, how do you become a film actor? And he said, you just have to learn to relax in front of the camera. And he said, well, how long does that take? He said about 20 years.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I still get nervous. I mean, going to the set of Two Popes. So, um, and I think it's quite healthy. Uh, Nerves and being nervous because it means you're you're open and you're you're allowed you're open up yourself to other people and uh, I think some of the worst experiences I've had on film is whether the other actor and they're usually American we've got no Americans in the room tonight. <laughs> they put lots of American actors it's about themselves and it's not about communicating it's not about sharing because they work so much with uh, a one on one teacher and they've they work out their role before they come to set and they don't bother listening to, to the other actor or how the other... And I all always, i was always uh, built a character from listening to how other people talk about your character because that shows you how you behave externally and you can have all those you know inner thoughts. But um, I, I just, I, for me, the joy of acting, whether it's theatre or film, is the collaborative side of it. Um, but I'd, I'd still, I'd rather be number one than number twenty-seven. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: but, but, Sean, did you find you had to adjust at all um, in front of the camera, or did it come naturally? Or what? what yeah, I mean, I'm still not entirely I mean, sure. I know what I'm doing. If, if I look, if I look to my left, is I've like got another screen here of questions that are popping in. So, uh, oh yeah, go I'm on. Looking. So just. Uh, uh, Sam, uh Solomon is asking any tips for nervousness when acting so carry on with your answer but if if if, if there's any part of uh, yeah I nerve. mean like
2: like like Jonathan said I I don't think nerves should be a, a cause for concern if, if that is how you're feeling um, mm-hmm. and I guess you've just got to try and channel that and make it useful um, or find a way to, to put it aside and, and do what you've got to do. Like I, I personally I feel very different for going on stage than I do when we're filming. Um, I find with stage I've, I feel really relaxed and actually it's about working myself up a bit to, to get to where I need to be to start. Um, because I I just feel very I feel comfortable on on stage, whereas with filming, um, I just kind of have to learn to embrace the, the different feeling that I have before before we work um, and just try and use it as opposed to let it be any sort of hindrance, I guess.
3: I find the difference where, where uh, I'm like getting much more relaxed when I'm on stage because I find the audience are, um, uh, they want you to do well because they, you know, they paid to take it and they want the show to go well. Whereas on, when I, on a film set, initially, anyway, I, um, I feel I'm being judged by everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that I can always, you know, I go, I go back to a memory when I was uh, a teenager and I entered a talent competition in, in my hometown in Hollywood. And I was singing with my friend and uh, I looked down the front row and there was these two women looking up at me going, I feel, sometimes I feel the whole film set is going, nah, nah, yeah. nah, it's no good. Um
0: but, the gremlins uh, on our shoulders though, aren't they? They're the gremlins, they're, the, the gremlins on our shoulders, sort of.
3: Yeah. 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 They're, they're good gremlins to have, but sometimes it, it does keep you aware and keep you alive to what's happening around you. I feel Uh, like
1: nerves are really helpful because they keep you on your toes. They keep you wanting to be better. If you come in and you're content with what you're doing, you're never going to be better. You're just going to be happy with what you're doing. So I think nerves are good. I mean, they make you want to improve.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, there's a lot lot of questions coming in for you, Daphne. Uh, Huge fans, obviously, of the the books. And um, here's one question here that is asking if you... Uh, this is from uh, Darren Singh uh, I th- I th- it, so SNG I don't know if that's it's, it's a surname Singh or, or senior but um, curious if you because you played the character for a couple of years a sort of significant time as well in your young life have you would you have you looked back at the work and thought, are you critical of the work that you did early on or are you more critical now the all you're getting when you go what's it like looking back at kind of because um, I feel like I've looked like a 40 year old man since I was a teenager really so um, um, but uh, you know I, I find it incredible where people start working so young they get to see themselves change and you know like a, two, a couple of years for somebody a teenager is very different to somebody, you know, in their 40s, I think. Uh, Are you critical of the work you did or are you, um, you know, what's your feeling towards it when you look back at it, I guess?
1: I mean, it's sort of both. I feel like I could have done better, but at the same time, I know I couldn't because, like, for example, my first job when I was nine, I'm looking back at it and I'm going, damn, I could have done this and I could have done that. And then I go, well, no, I couldn't because I was actually doing my best job. And you don't, I notice it was on the daily, my attention span gets better and better, but I just remember being nine and trying to concentrate on set was like impossible. And I just, you do feel, I think that is the curse of being an actor. Whenever you look back at your work, you always think I could have done it better. But when it's there, like, you can't really do anything about it. And I think I can't really judge nine-year-olds, me. So, but I do, I do have it more with season one of adult materials because that was more recently. I mean, it was two years ago, but it was still, like, I was 13 and I have, like, scenes where I go, that wasn't my best, but not because it wasn't as good as it could be now, I think, because... I was maybe distracted that day or I was more focused on something else or maybe I hadn't had time to do my lines properly the night before or whatever and I do think when I haven't put enough effort in I do judge it more than when I just think I did my best I couldn't have done anything better there.
0: We really have to leave ourselves alone don't we as performers I guess
1: (laughs) (laughs) because
0: we can we can sort of uh, destroy it now what are the uh, you know what are your ambitions I mean what would you love to do Daphne, is there is there uh, a type of genre or character that you would love to sort of explore, or head towards at all?
1: I'm just very excited to get out of my... Um, Lockdown. Also, but <laughs> I mean, from my, I always have very similar characters because there's not many characters for young girls. And I'm just very excited to get into the more adult world of film and theatre and TV and stuff because there's much more options when you're for example when you're twenty or thirty or whatever there's many more options than when you're nine you're mm-hmm. always like someone's kid or a weird orphan that lives on the street or something there's always like those three <laughs> options you get which just constantly doing over so I'm just really looking forward to doing different things
0: yeah. And, and Jonathan, I mean, um, is, is there something I, I was lucky enough to work with Judy Dench not long ago, and she's like, no more queens. I do not want to play another queen whatsoever. You know, she's yeah, like... I've,
3: I've got the same feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, it's it's still interesting. I'm, I'm lucky to, to be offered various roles that I can choose from. Um, there is, it. it um, although, like Daphne was saying, when you're nine, it's quite a narrow field. Um, at my age, it's quite a narrow field. You, um, you're reading scripts where you think, "Oh God, I, if I was 20 years younger, I could be playing that." You know that part. Um, but I'm still getting uh, interesting roles in my seventies, um, and well, there's a hell of a lot of them. Uh, concerned with alzheimer's and uh and i thought I, I, i've i've i just seen uh tony actually uh the film of the father um he was is absolutely wonderful in it um and i and i played on stage recently a, a character with uh, alzheimer's and it's um yeah there's a, there's a lot of it about shall we say but um I remember my first role, talking about a nine, my first role was I was seven in the school play. I think it wasn't even seven. And I was playing an elf in the the pot of gold. And I had uh, a line where I had to say, uh, come brothers, for it is cold, to the other elves. And uh, I did all the shaky, shaky, come brothers. And uh, the teacher, at age seven, took the line away from me and gave it to somebody else because she thought I was overacting. Oh, uh, I've,
1: I've was, had that.
3: I think that's might be my driving <laughs> ambition for 50 years that no one's going to take a fucking line away from me again. Without <laughs> my permission.
1: I've been told at school <laughs> that costume. my acting isn't good by like parents, parents doing like acting courses at school and being like, see, I feel like this is realistic. I'm like, are you really? <laughs> please this is actually quite offensive and I, I have gotten lines taken away from me at school plays oh. after like I remember I just came back from Logan and my character got cut from a school play and I was like well that's not cool is it
0: I'll I was call my doing
1: like, <laughs> carrying like a fake river I was like well thanks cheers for that god
0: yeah. I love that I think they were they were enjoying their power there for sure you know Sean, is there any uh, is there uh, is there a burning desire to play a certain type or explore a, a, a certain roles or no, not to- really.
2: I just I, I think it's about my main thing is to try and strike a balance and make sure that I I keep doing as much stage work as I can because um, I think the more I I do of that the the better my screen work will be. And if I can strike a balance and be lucky enough to get opportunities to do both. Then I'd be over the moon.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it. There's there's a a, a, a question coming from a, um, Samuel um, for you, Sean, which is, uh, and it's a uh, specifically about your the character you play um, in Left Behind. Yeah. And were you were you sort of worried about any the uh, the sort of negative online reaction? From certain, you know, areas of the internet, you know, while you when, when the show went out, really,
2: so yeah, um, conscious of it, but not worried about it because
0: mm-hmm.
2: I know that I knew at the time that that everyone who was working on it, no one had the intent of glamorizing what Gethin did in any way. Um, it was more to mm-hmm. do with the circumstances that had led him to do something um, horrendous. But the focus was actually the journey to there, as opposed to what he ended up doing. Um, so, no, I didn't worry about it because I, I fully trusted everyone around uh, on on the production that, that that just wasn't the aim to to try and, and and glamorize what what he went on to do. I
0: yeah
2: I yeah I felt like I had enough going on to not have to worry about the potential. If there was any sort of back- backlash or negative response to it,
0: yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I, and I, I can relate to uh, playing, you know, characters that are, you know, uh, very sensitive. You know, s- certain times it, it, yeah. it's yeah uh, much better to engage and and it's not our job to sort of judge it. You know, it's just to uh, no play the part. No, the- yeah, exactly yeah yeah absolutely absolutely the um now i think we are coming to uh, the end of our hour folks and um uh i the questions are answered and wales i just want to open out to it's sort of we really are in this kind of new sort of brave new world of kind of as industries have closed down this new industry of the the entertainment industry has sort of exploded across Wales with filmmaking and television and and the arts and stuff like that. And and I just wanted to ask you your sort of connection with Wales as an artist and sort of your opinion of kind of where it is and where it could go. Um, You know, it's something I'm very kind of excited about and uh, I'm really proud to sort of see people branching out not just you know sort of in and beyond with their work and, and I know especially Jonathan your, your work has been is so international so varied as well is it sort of you, you know what is your um your feeling towards the the work that is created and the potential there is in Wales for it to be I mean I always make the joke that we'll be you know kids will be you know saying well, you know, I'm going to go down the studios like my father and his father before him. Do you know? <laughs> 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 we're focus pullers, son. That's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we, because it really is a viable industry that uh, oh. that not a service industry that people can engage with. And, um, so yeah, it's 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 a big question, but um, I just want to know how were your feelings towards yourself and the work in Wales and beyond you don't have to answer all of them or any of them but um Daphne we'll start with you we'll go to Spain first how do you feel about you know or did you just think Wales is the uh is the Hollywood of of uh of Europe and
1: uh, you know, yeah of course was... um no I love I firstly I love Wales Welsh people are amazing they're so lovely um but I feel like it's it's just, it's got, firstly, landscape-wise, it's got so many incredible possibilities. Like, you can do at least 50 different films in the span of, like, 10 miles. It's incredible. You've got yeah. the sea, you've got the mountains, you've just got so much, and it's so beautiful. I mean, if you just go around all of the castles and stuff, I remember just on the weekends, just walking around and just taking it all in. But I feel like also working in for two years on his dark materials in Wales with an entirely Welsh crew. Um, it's just, everyone is so talented. And you think for a place that is that small and like Cardiff is quite small, it's quite homey to get so many talented people together is just incredible to find in that city, like so many people. And it's just, I think this is the discovery of Well it's really going to blow up very soon because it's just, like I remember on the materials, they were capable of building, most of the scenes that we had in the North Pole were made in the Welsh mountains where they seriously just yeah. took a mountain, put fake snow on it and then it looked like an entirely different place. So I just feel like it's just been discovered and it's, it's going to be very fun from here seeing where people are going to take it.
3: <laughs> well, I th- when was it that they made, uh, I think it was the Inn of Sixth Happiness? and they created Tibet in Snowdonia, something like that. That was in the mm. 50s, 60s. Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, my shepherd told me about this.
3: Yeah, there you go. Um, mm. But I, I find, uh, yeah, I'm very uh, proud of the Welsh film, film industry. Um, and, you know, you try not to be cynical about things because uh, you know that uh, studios and producers will go where it's the cheapest to make things. Um, but it, it, while doing that, it does mean that people have been trained up and an industry has grown and, um, you know, and it, and it's not just Wales. I mean, it, you go to Ireland, you'll, you'll find, uh, a, a viable industry. Um, and it's, it's just having the, it's, it's about people being trained up really. And, um, and having the work go there. Uh, yeah. but also I, I like. The, the fact that Wales is producing so much homegrown stuff and the, the television is, uh, is remarkable, it's, it's just wonderful. Um, and uh, I like seeing uh, Welsh uh, television where it, um, it's like seeing London through new eyes where you don't get a red bus passing through a shot every two minutes and mm-hmm. you see Wales in a different way. Um, as it is like Daphne was saying, there's, everything is there. Uh, as a location, and uh, and also the studios are fully functioning, and there is the the craft there, and the actors have always been there, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm. And and Sean, you you're a Cardiff boy, aren't you?
2: I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, so it's I, great.
0: Daphne, to, you to... Said, Daphne said Cardiff is really small, and uh, I'm from Hollyhead, and Jonathan's from Hollywell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cardiff was yeah, the metropolis to us.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm not even from Hollywood. I'm from Carmel. It's even smaller.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, but but Sean, have you noticed a change from sort of you know from growing up in Cardiff to the yeah
2: yeah I have. Um, I've everyone I know because a lot of my friends who aren't Welsh end up coming to Cardiff for work because obviously there's so much going on at the minute. I always seem to have to leave, but there we one day I'll get to just stay at home. Um, but I think Cardiff, it it has a little bit of everything. It, it offers you that city life. But like Daphne said, if you've got a weekend off, you can go to the mountains for a weekend and feel like you've really got away. Yeah. So I think from a work-life balance, I think Cardiff really offers a lot, and Wales, Wales in general, because you can do so much without geographically covering too much distance. And um, a lot of my friends who are crew, they're just nonstop. There's just so much work there. And like Jonathan said, everyone is being trained up and the skill level will get higher. And I think it'll just attract more and more work because the the ability is there to facilitate really good work that will hopefully continue to be worldwide and, and keep making Wales a sort of a hotspot for for good film and, and telly work
0: agreed yeah no agreed we have to keep not only just telling you know wanting to work there as well i think you know creating yeah. not just creating stories welsh stories but just creating stories and uh, and and want to build that sustainability and encourage young people that it is something that they can engage with and you know it takes an army to make a tv or film and there's a there's a role for everybody you know like it's like, yeah. rugby. it's like rugby you know you, you yeah you know you can uh, there's a position for us all um well it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to the three of you congratulations for the nomination and uh, um it's uh, you know you make everybody proud in all the work that you do and uh and you make everybody better by all the work that you do. So thanks for your, no, I mean it, but you know, for your generosity of spirit and your time. And uh, I wish you all the best um, and Sunday night and wish you all sort of uh, health and happiness to you and yours. It, the this sort of challenging year, um, one day when we're out of our, uh, my, my slippers, then we can maybe have a cup of tea together and uh, you know toast the future. But until then, yeah. thank you very much, Daphne Keane, Sean Daniel Young, Jonathan Price. Thanks for uh, tuning in, everybody. Um, I've heard this is a, one of the biggest audiences to one of these events. So big wave to everybody there. And um, we will see you down the road. Pablo Chiquid, okay? Dioch,
2: Kellen. Well, ta-da.
0: Well, <laughs>
1: for joining us and remember you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.